You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. It's uh, stunning to see and hear the volume that's leaving the room. Um, it's stunning because I, the challenge has just been given to the children to go ask and seek. Children, your children, have just been given that challenge. And if they don't want to wait in line or you don't want them to wait in line to talk to the teacher after class, then my prayer is that they come home to you and seek the truth in your home from you, to which now you're like, oh, no, I'm not ready for that. Well, our desire in this time is to help us get ready for that, and there are books upon books upon books upon books upon books, 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 resources all over the place that can help. Um, I want to give you one resource in all of my library, and I have a Logos uh, subscription, which has books upon books. I have two closets full of books and resources just at this house office, at my office, at the house. I have books and books of stuff. There's one book that helps me understand the book probably as good as any other book. Uh, you're going to be really underwhelmed in a good way when I present it to you, but it's this book. This is a little colorful book for people like me who maybe just barely graduated above the pop-up stage, you know, the books that pop up, uh, the number, the color with number. This book is like a Bible 101 uh, and it's not just for kids. You're going to pick it up and go, well, that'd be cute for my kids to read. Oh, no, 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 no. Read this book. Have this book. Put it on your coffee table so that when people come over and watch the game tonight or wherever they come over, however they come over, they can look at this book. But even this book, as much as I like this book, as colorful as it is, it points to a book. And it points to the resource that God has provided for us. And I want to begin today by asking you to dream with me. I want you to picture with me, and I want you to picture with me a life. Not a life for your son or for your daughter. Not a life for your grandchildren. Not a life for your spouse. I want you to picture your life with me. I want you to picture perhaps what might be a different life than you're currently living, a life that we can only dream of. Picture with me a life of stability. When the storms of circumstances come, there's stability, a life that is stable. Picture with me a life of peace. When the world is raging, your life is a life of peace. Picture with me a life of daily pleasure and thrilling joy. 
even when life gets hard, you can describe your day as thrilling and pleasurable, even when you're battling things. Picture with me your life, a life that, can, that is guarded, a life that is held secure when attacks come at you, whether it be from your family members, whether it be from outsiders, people over you, when attacks come at you, picture with me your life being guarded and held secure. Picture with me a life that is pure. When all around you, everything you see is corruption, but your life is a life of purity. Picture with me a life that is confident, a life that is unashamed even after you fail. That you can still, after the failing, have confidence and no shame. Picture with me a life that is disciplined, a life that is fruitful, even though you have really large weaknesses in your life. Picture with me a life that is prospering, even though you were told, even maybe this week, that you're never going to change. You're never going to amount to anything. You might have been told that. You might have been feeling that. You might be at an evaluation at your job or some place wherever you're going. Just this feeling of you're never going to amount to anything. Picture with me a life that prospers. Picture with me a life of purpose and clarity when the culture all around us is confused about everything. But your life has purpose and it's very clear. Picture with me a life that is connected with a plan, a perfect plan, God's perfect plan, even though the world ignores God and definitely ignores his plan and offers up many counterproductive plans to your life. Picture with me your life that's connected with God's plan. And this life, folks, is not only available. This life is promised. This life is promised to God's servants who Keep and cherish his revealed word. You're like, oh, you tricked me. There's a, there's a thing I got to do. There is a revelation from God given to us. Last week we began to look at um, sort of the run out of God, that, that the general revelation where in Psalm 19 it says to behold the sky and look up and the heavens declare the glory and the handiwork of God and and it pours forth speech. It spills it over day after day after day declaring glory, glory, glory. We talked about how that general revelation, even without reading a word, hearing a word, just that alone is revealing the run out and the power and the glory of God and it's just the run out. There's more coming. And we move into this special revelation that will help, that will not just help, but will produce the life that we just pictured for ourselves. 
So turn with me to Psalm chapter 19. As we pick it up, we're going to read verses 7 through 11. We're going verse by verse through this chapter. Um, in this series that we're calling Grow in All, we're going to look at this chapter, then Lord willing, we'll look at Psalm 145 and walk through it at the pace that the Lord wants us to walk through it. We are at verse 7 this week. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, dripping off the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. These are just a few short verses inspired by God's word given to King David for King David to lead his people to be in awe of God and led them to be in awe of his general revelation. Now he's leading them to be in awe of his special revelation in his word. So I want us to unpack it together and I want us to pray right now about this. Lord, we sang a while ago, there was something in that last song that just grabbed hold of me that I want everybody in this room to hear, to know that in you, there's forgiveness of sin. You speak forgiveness, and it's done. Oh God, I pray that in our short time here together that you would speak to us. Give life to us. Give instruction for those who are running completely opposite of your revealed word. Bring them back for their joy and their pleasure, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So King David and the choir master present this song describing the revelation of God, calling the people to look up, and now calling the people to dig down deeper into something beautiful. God's revealed word is described here in, in very clear ways, and with it comes also beautiful promises that we need, that give us Hope. Let's look at them one at a time. First of all, it is described, God's word is described as a perfect law. Verse 7, we see it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. We have good laws in our land, don't we? We have laws that are good, good laws that are written by men and women who have strived and worked hard to help create a cultural ethic 
that helps protect and, and help serve and help support a culture for, its, for it to thrive and to grow. These are good laws, but these laws are written and instituted and held to and protected by men and women who are not perfect, right? Therefore, so even though we have good laws, we still have problems within those laws. We have problems with the, 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 the keepers of the law, like us. There's conflicts within the law. It's not because these laws are bad. It's just because these laws are given, protected, and held by people who are not perfect. One example, just one example is that, is the wonderful but imperfect law of the freedom of speech. We value that law. We are thankful for that law. We get to have that law. But people, imperfect people, use, misuse, and misapply that law that gives way and license to pornography and horribly violent video games. And it's protected under a law of free speech. It's a good law, but it's not a perfect law. But the law of the Lord is perfect. How perfect is the law of the Lord? Well, God's law is as perfect as the giver of the law, the law enforcer, the law holder. He is perfect. God reveals his perfection through His perfect law. Psalm 18, verse 30 says this. God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock? Only our God. God reveals himself through his laws. And his laws are perfect because he is perfect the law of the Lord is perfect. But also, the, the description of the Lord that we have here is that it is a sure testimony. Oh, there's something wonderful about a personal testimony, right? We talk about it as staff, like, we need to hear more stories. We got to have more testimonies out there. Without personal testimonies, cases that are tried are difficult to decide. He said, he said, she said, she said. What's going on? People are hard to inspire without somebody giving a story or a testimony. Proof is difficult to hold on to and celebrate without the testimony of somebody saying, yes, that's true. Yes, that's my story. Personal testimony is important for us to have to have confidence in this life. Before I purchase something, I like to read the reviews. How about you? It drives my wife crazy. She's like, just buy it already. Like, no, okay, this has four stars. Why does it have four stars? Like, and then I got to go read. And first thing, if you're honest, if you go to Amazon and you, what do you do if you're, if you're me? What you do is you ignore all the five stars. There's two people out of 3,000 that gave it one star. I'm going to go click on that and realize what's going on here. What is the review? What's the story? What's the testimony here? Have you ever been given a false testimony? I mean, surely no one's lied to you, right? Doesn't that, like, shake you a little bit? Doesn't doesn't that make you not trust them? Doesn't that make you feel a little unstable? If you've ever been conned by a false testimony, 
if you've ever been conned by false testimonies from people within the church, it knocks you off, doesn't it? Well, here we see that God's word is a sure testimony. The testimony of verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure. False testimonies can be damaging, but true testimonies are helpful and instill great confidence. There is no truer testimony than the testimony that's coming from a God who's perfect. When Satan wants to accuse us, wants to shame us, wants to revile us, wants to tell you that you're disqualified, that you should be discontinued, that you should be deconstructed, that God should be deconstructed, we come to the testimony of the living word and the living Lord who says, here's what I'm going to say about the matter. You're forgiven. You're holy. You're declared righteous. His testimony is sure. He reveals perfect laws to us. He reveals sure testimonies to us. And we see a description here that he has right precepts. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. That word precept, some translations use the word statute. Basically, what that means is a properly stated mandate. A statute, uh, it, and, and I don't know if you knew this, but there are eight precepts of Buddhism. These are like the values of Buddhism. These are the, the sort of the constitution of what they stand for and what, what guides them. These are guided statements, these statutes, these precepts, like our constitution is in place to be sort of the precepts and the statutes of our land, of our nation. Right precepts are something to celebrate. The word of God is like the constitution for the soul. They are rejoicing the heart. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It's an invitation to celebrate the constitution that God has given for your soul, for your life. He reveals perfect laws. He has revealed in his word the sure testimonies. His word are the right precepts. They are also pure commands. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commands of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. We have all received commands, right? Commands not just from the Bible. We have commands at the home. Don't lean back in that chair. Go to bed. Put your phone here at a certain time. Turn the TV off when you go to sleep. Don't leave the coffee maker going when you go to bed. Turn out all the lights when you leave. These are all commands. These are all things thou shalt nots and thou shalts. You have commands in the workplace. We all have laws and commands, and they are for the community good. They are for the country to be good. They are for the family. Commandment simply means this. It's What is a commandment? It is this. It is It means one or what someone has to do. What one has to do is what a commandment is. It's not just a rule, but it's something that means we have to do something. We either got to avoid this or do this, thou shalt or thou shalt not. 
some commands are given to us with selfish motives. Let's be honest, parents. How many commands in your home for your children are in place so that you can have a little extra time? Anyone? My kids are gone. They're not seeing this. So, I mean, you want them to go to bed at a certain time. You want them to turn this off. You want to do that. You don't because you need this or you want that or you want to be in charge of dinner without them picking the dinner every night. There's commands. Mom and dad will pick the dinner. You eat what we fix for you. It's easier that way. It's, it's simpler. God's commands are never selfish. It says here in verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The word pure means free from corruption. There is no injustice in the commandments of God. There is no error. He didn't make a mistake. There is no amendment needed to God's word. There is no oversight or undersight. There is no sin in the commands that God has given. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Another word for pure here, maybe your translation says the commandment of the Lord is clear. We know that the commandment of the Lord and purity means radiant. It means bright. Picture with me Moses coming down after being in the presence of the Lord, and he's coming down, and they saw that his face glowed. There was an awe of who God was because Moses was hearing the word of God. And there was a, a, a purity, a, a glow about him, enlightening the eyes. The commandments of the Lord are there to remove scales from our eyes, to, to take the shades off, to take the blinders off so that we can see here's what we should be doing, here's what we should not be doing, and it's pure. We need to take the blinders off. Our eyes need to see because if we get out of line over here, we've been warned. The commands are given so that we can see. I'm getting ahead. But because God's commands are pure, they are clear, we are aware of what he expects. How many times have we tried or maybe we legitimately told the officer, I didn't know it was a school zone. Do you know the school zones around here are different times they shut off? Has that confused anybody else? Just ask the department. That confused me because I got three tickets that do, like in the span of a year. Well, over here it shuts off at 730, over here it's 8 and didn't know that. And finally, the cop said, well, this is the third time I pulled you over. You should know. I'm going 30. I'm not like going 80 through a school zone, though, so you don't think horribly of me. But how many times do we tell the person in charge, oh, I didn't know about that rule. I didn't know this. These commands are pure to open our eyes. We see also Perfect law, sure testimony, right precepts, pure commandments. We see that God's revealed word, a description is that these are true rules. True rules, meaning these are true rulings. These are true, true judgments given to us by God. I might as well share with you, there was a season in my life where I was under an oppressive regime. It went on for a couple years. It was, these were the rules of J.C. Landia. 
J.C. Landia was a place that when I went to tuck my daughter, whose name is J.C., in bed, we would read, but eventually what would happen is we'd put the book down and we would just sort of make up stories. And then eventually got to a point where, like, we would fill in the blank and she would say, this is the land of J.C. Landia and here are the rules. And one night I would just sit there and listen and she was like, I'm the queen of J.C. Landia. These are my rules and everyone and I had to do stuff and not do stuff and avoid this and not walk this way. And sometimes I had to speak in pig Latin and sometimes the rules were always changing. We come in the next night for J.C. Landia, and the queen of J.C. Landia would tell me some rules that have changed. Well, that was yesterday. Today's rules are this, and today's rules are that, and it was always changing. I was constantly off my game in J.C. Landia. I was not free. I didn't know where the fence was. I didn't know what was going on. It was oppressive. And I was addicted to it. Now, that's how oppressive regimes start. You love the leader. And then they start changing the rules on you. You're already bought in with the charismatic leader, whoever it may be, a teacher, a preacher, an author, and they start moving the fence on you. Well, you're still on board because you like the person, and that's what was happening with me in J.C. Landia. It was her room. I adored my daughter. This was precious time, so I let her bend and change the rules. God's decisions, his rulings, and his word from his word reflect his character, which is unchanging. He has true rulings that last forever. Don't come into a small group or to me and say, well, that was the way. No, these are God's rulings that are true. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. There are no amendments. There are no additions. There are no subtractions. There are no different kinds of rulings for God. He has never, ever, ever overruled. Why? Because A, God is sovereign, and there is no one to overrule God. And B, he is never overruled because, his rules are never overruled because they are true. It can't get better. He's not going to undo something that's already perfect. These rules, this word, is not pretend. These aren't made up by a six-year-old who's tired and doesn't want to go to bed. These are written and revealed. The laws, the testimonies, the precepts, the commandments, the rules are revealed in a special way, and we must notice the rewards that come with them. We sometimes don't like to hear things like command and rules and precepts and laws. Well, listen to the promise in this text Psalm 19 provides with good descriptions of God's word, yes, but did you catch the beautiful, wonderful benefits that we're just going to put in three categories? The first one is this. Actually, let me read verse 11. Talks about what the word of God is, and then verse 11, moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them 
there is great reward. What are those rewards? What are the benefits here? First of all, it's the promise of life. Did you catch that in verse 7? The law of the Lord is perfect. What is it doing? Say it with me. Reviving the soul. Like, oh, it's a church. You're supposed to hear that word revive. What does that mean? Some of your translations may say converting the soul. Let me say it this way. The law of the Lord speaks perfectly to awaken your soul, to give it life. This is good news. This word, reviving the soul, is the same that is used in Psalm 23 that we recite at memorial services and celebrations. We can pass all the rules we want about in, in our Constitution, about guns, about free speech, and all those things. None of these rules can change the heart of a man. God's rules can. God's commands are perfect. His perfect law revives our soul, gives us life. The other thing that we have here is not only does it give us life, his word, revealed word, gives us wisdom. We see it in the second part of verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. What does it do? Say it with me. Is it not up there? Yeah, okay, it's up there. You can read. All right. Making wise the simple. Sure testimony from the creator gives wisdom. Making wise the simple. The word simple here, commentators say, is really meaning those who need instruction, like babies. If you ever ask why, you're simple. And it's good to ask why. Not saying we shouldn't ask why, but we are all people needing instruction. God reveals by his own testimony to those who need instruction. And it's kind for him to do this over and over and over again. I'm instructing you. I'm instructing you. I'm instructing you. Not so that you can just Ignore me, but so that you can become wise to life. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this age. Well, that's hard to do. I, I feel foolish when I go out in the culture and there's debates or there's arguments and there's peer pressure and there's people pulling me here and pulling me here. Do not be conformed to this age. Well, how do I do that? Well, you be transformed. I'm ignorant to that. How do I be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. That you can get wisdom by the instructions of the Lord. What does that do for me? So that you may discern what is good, what is pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Are you ever wondering and praying and asking, Lord, what is your will on this and on this and on this? No, you're not going to find in Scripture that he's choose, telling you to choose the Mitsubishi over the Subaru. But there are instructions given to us to help us make wise decisions on our life that help us flourish. 2 Timothy 3, we see this famous text. All Scripture. How much? 
all scripture is inspired by who? A smart pastor. Some of y'all weren't as confident with that. All scripture is inspired by and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting. All scripture inspired by God is profitable for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for some good works, for every good work. Anything that God wants you to do, he's equipping you, giving you wisdom to do. Where? In all of Scripture. In verse 8, we see that the commands are so pure that they enlighten our eyes. Helps us to see, helps us to gain wisdom. Through his commandments, we see what adultery does to our hearts and minds. It's why it's commandment. We see what divorce will do when Jesus says and preaches on it and talks about it in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And then at the end, he says, anybody who hears these words of mine and does them is like a person who's standing on the rock when the storms come. We see in his commands what idol worship does to our stability. We see in his commands what coveting does to our contentment. We see what stealing, murder, lying does in a relationship. We see it in the testimonies of his word laid out. We see it in the commandments given. Making us wise, enlightening our eyes. Sometimes commands are in place so we know don't color outside this line. I looked it up, and I couldn't find it real quickly, but I'm going to still bring it up, um, but, so I can't really verify the date and when the study was done. But I remember hearing the study of, of some uh, child, children psychologists that did a study when, um, on some schoolyards that were being built. And uh, one, one schoolyard, they had uh, a fence all the way around the playground. And the other schoolyard, when they built it, they didn't put the fence up, but they had the playground. Everything was the same except there was a fence around one and not a fence around the other. The one with the fence, the kids were playing all over the place in that yard, all the way up to the fence. Some getting on the fence and looking back. You know, you're one of those, I'm sure. Anyway, looking back at the fence, like, anybody going to notice if I look over the fence? Getting somebody's ball, throwing it over the fence, and like, ah, you can't go get. They know where the fence is, and they're going all the way around the yard having fun. The other schoolyard, with no fence, the kids were all bottled together. Not free. We don't know. How far can we go? What's the rules? We don't know where to go. This is what we're doing to our culture today. We're taking down the fences, and God's word gives us wisdom. Keep the fences in place. It's for your good. It's for your life. It's for your wisdom. But we also see here the promise of joy and pleasure. Oh, you caught that right. Verse 10, let's look at it. More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Oh, this is a joy and a pleasure that's about fulfillment and satisfaction. That God's word, his revealed word, is better than any gold. You're like, yeah, nobody carries gold right now, Jason. What does this mean? Well, imagine with me 
if I told you, hey, I'm going to go play the lottery today. I'm going to go cash some money. I got five bucks, and I'm going to go get me some scratchies, and I need your, well, I don't even know that's what they're called, but anyway, that's what I'm calling it, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to scratch it off. You're going to say to me, most likely, that's a waste of money. That's the odds of that cashing out and being good for you. But I'm like, hey, I want to pay this building off. We got to do so. No, that's not a good way to do it. You're going to try to counsel me away from that, right? But what if I told you every time, Every time you put a dollar, is it, are they still a dollar? I'm trying to trick you. You all want to answer yes, but you don't want to answer yes. Anyway, every time you put a dollar down, every time it cashed out $1,000. Every time. You knew it. You had confidence. Every time I go, I'm going to get $1,000. Would you still tell me? Actually, you'd probably be criticized. Goings, how come we haven't done this before now? You need to be paying this building off. Go get your scratchy lotteries. You know, if we banked on it this way, you would approach your day different. There would be lines coming out of the places that sell those things on their way to work because you would like, okay, do I need to go to work today or not? No, you would know every day I'm getting this $1,000. His revealed word is better than that feeling of getting a thousand guaranteed dollars every day. More to be desired than gold, even the finest of gold, sweeter than honey and the drippings of honeycomb. This is where I talk about one of the saddest days of my life when Bennigan's closed down. There was this dessert at Bennigan's. Oh my word, death by chocolate. It was the birthday meal. No matter what my wife would make, even my mom's great cake that she made, maybe my wife's cookies could trump this, but death by chocolate. I planned my day around it. Okay, I got to eat good today because death by chocolate's coming tonight. Why? Because I was looking forward to it. I knew every time I get the death by chocolate, I'd love to describe it or put a picture up, but anyway, take us off course. Uh, there's hot chocolate syrup that you put the cake. It's just amazing. Anyway, Bennigan's went out of business. It went away, and I'm like, oh, where did it go? Sweeter. Like, like back then, they knew what honey tasted like, and honeycomb is like death by chocolate for them. The scriptures, the word of God is better than death by chocolate. If you knew you could have the taste and the feeling and the flavor of $1,000 coming to you every day and death by chocolate every day, you would align your day up differently. You wouldn't be making excuses. I don't have time. I don't understand it. I can't do this. How does it work? You would make it work. You would push everything else out to taste that and get that cash. That's what the word of God is for us. That you could taste and see God revealed to you. God's word is better than the lottery. It's better than death by chocolate because those things will even get boring. God's word never does. It's new every morning. Moreover, by them in your servant is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The beginning of Psalms says, Oh, how happy is the man who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stands in the pathway of sinners or sits in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight 
is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree that's planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. Can you picture a life like that? Can't you see why the enemy wants to redirect you away from God's word? Can't you see why the enemy is using people in the church to deconstruct the word of God? It's not new. The serpent did it in the garden. He wants to lie to us, confuse us, anger us, frustrate us, and knock us off and keep us off balance. But God says, I want to reveal beautiful things to you to stabilize you, secure you, strengthen you, purify you, declare you righteous, and to help you. David is reminding his people to look up at the glory and the handiwork of God, and he's reminding them to dig down deeply into the word of God, the perfection, the sureness. All of this hinges on who is giving it. Did you notice it? It's the law of the Lord. That is perfect. It's the testimonies of the Lord. It's the precepts of the Lord. It's the commandments of the Lord. It's the rules of the Lord. It says even in this verse 9, we didn't look at it much today, it's the fear of the Lord that is clean. Fear here is an important word. You break it down, you look at it, it's actually meaning to be terrified by, to be respectful of, to revere to all. Are you in awe of God because you are in awe of his word? Do you respect it? Do you value it? Do you run to it for help and counsel and support and transformation and stability? Or do you go to the world for advice? Are you in awe of God? Do you treasure his word. Do you remember King David? We talked about him a few weeks ago at the beginning of this chapter, leading his people to sing loudly and to shout loudly and to dance wildly and worship and rejoice back in 1 Chronicles 16. Do you remember what was happening? The ark of the Lord was coming back to his people. Do you Know what made the ark of the Lord so special? Inside the ark was what? The revealed word of God. There was a people, King David said, the ark has come back. The presence of God has come back. The revealed word of God is back in our midst. We're stopping everything and we're singing. We're rejoicing in this beautiful moment. These were people. This is a culture in awe of God, craving his word. And there are churches, I was looking at it this week and just looking at these reels on Instagram where fancy teachers with cool lighting, with cool phrases leading their thousands or hundreds or whatever of people to dismiss the word of God to say there's more, to look elsewhere. And my heart broke. How do you receive the word of God? Is it special to you? What would that even look like for us today? 
where you're about to see a video of a community and a culture that received the word of God. And, and I want you just to pay attention and notice something beautiful about this. Go ahead.
That is what we're praying for, for every nation that we pray for when we're saying they don't have a copy of the Word of God is that celebration. And listen, church, that's what I pray for for every week in your life. Can you picture with me a life that celebrates God that way, that celebrates His Word that way? Let's put behind us the things of the past. Let's start Today, wake up in the morning, go to bed tonight, look in at your copy of Scripture, and don't look at it and go, I don't even know what to do. We're instructing you how there's a booklet that tells you what to read, when to read it, how to read it. We're here for you. Talk about it in small groups. But here's a word I'm just going to say that we don't like. If the Word of God is not special to you, I'm calling for you to repent. Not because you're evil. Not because you're imperfect. We're all sinners. I want you to repent and turn and run to Christ. Run to his word for your joy. The heavens declare the glory of God. The stars declare his handiwork. Then David goes on to say all of these things, that that was the run out. There's more to come, and here's the word. And then we have in the book of John these words. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Referring to Jesus, he goes on in verse 14, and the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The law of the Lord revives. Jesus has come to give you life abundantly. The rules of the Lord are righteous. We are counted righteous in Christ. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Here I am testifying for your joy. The precepts of the Lord rejoice the heart. We already referred to it at the end of his sermon, the very conclusion of his sermon, Jesus pleaded with the hearers, don't be like the people who build on the sand. Anyone who hears my words and does them is the person who will stand when the storms come. The rules of the Lord are true. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God so loved the world. He spoke. He created it. He gave his son to save it. Repent. Cherish the word. Run to the cherished Savior and just say to Jesus, today, I want you. I want you. I want to want you. Do that as we start off our song at the end of the service. If you need people to pray with you, you need to talk to somebody, come do that. Pick up a booklet as you leave on how to grow together with others in the word of God. Why don't you stand with me as I pray. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for your revealed word, for your special revealed word. We thank you. Help us to look at words like law, command, rules is good for us. Lead us today to repentance, Lord, to turn away from a life that ignores the fences and runs back to Jesus, our healer, our Savior, our Lord. Lastly, Lord, I pray that those people who come to your word by faith this week, that you would make it come alive to them, that you would speak to them, that you would apply something beautiful to their life. And if it didn't happen, I pray that they know who to call to ask. Speak, oh Lord. Speak to us.